I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. We are going back to the hive for season five of The, the Connor and Smith Show. It is a rainy, chilly evening. Friday evening. Um, but it's still not winter. It's still kind of just splinter. It's like spring, winter. No snow. Wait, it's, no, it's like brunch. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's splinter. splinter. Yeah. We're is, that real, is that a real name? I just created it right now, like Brangelina. <clears throat> or it's like fall and spring. It's like fring, 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 yeah. or sprawl. Sprawl, yeah. Yeah, we're in a very long sprawl. At any rate, uh, how are you? I'm great. Uh, I'm in, uh, we are in tech week. Tech week this week for the Snow Queen that opened with our music and lyrics uh, uh-huh. next weekend. Correct. And I've been working on some things for the Creative Cauldron, and we've been working on some maybe some ideas about the next uh, step for Find Your Light. And um, Find Your Light, which is now up on Patreon, if you want to become a subscriber at any level any level you can see it's find there. your le- light yeah it's, it's there it took us a while to edit but we got it there um so today we are going to be talking to karen brett o'connor yes yes karen, karen. we had a good time talking it was with a fun you. time and she's still threatening to come visit us and bring bottles of wine. And well, threaten away. Threaten away. We would love it. Bring it on. Yes. Um, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Thank you. In 1985, Tyler was meeting Justin at their favorite arcade, Longshot. Just as Justin was about to confess his love for Tyler, the world changed. <laughs> Blending elements of 1980s pop culture and LGBTQIA fiction, we journey through this incredible experience that brings them closer together as they fight against the world trying to keep them apart. Listen to Longshot on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Karen, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. I'm sitting here with my husband and co-host Matt Connor. Hey, 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 Karen. Hey, Matt. <laughs> and our producer, Ryan Dean Halbrook. Hi, Karen. Hello. Um, Karen, are you in Woodbridge tonight? I am. Are you living in Woodbridge? Yeah, yeah. We're back in our own house. Um, so uh we moved uh well that that can be part of the questions i guess but yes i'm in we're in woodbridge virginia you know i've asked this a lot and i'm kind of being serious like was there ever a wooden bridge i don't know but my neighbors they call it wood tucky down here (laughs) (laughs) that's appropriate it is Um, (laughs) so you're not that far away from us which is near the lazy susan that's no more yeah, we hold the line of Northern Virginia here in uh, Woodbridge. You're you're the <laughs> last bastion of defense. <laughs> yes. Oh my, oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Anyway, it's, so how are you guys? Oh, just you know, it's March first, so I changed all the couch covers and the curtains to be <laughs> green and yellow. So my whole like living room view just changes. I feel more optimistic. You know? I love it. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. no, Woodbridge, it says, was named after a man. Okay. Honor of Reverend John Woodbridge of Newbury, Massachusetts. Oh, well. So, okay. I like so, I, I, I just thought it'd be kind of cool if there was, like, a wooden bridge that fell right. apart. Yeah. Are you originally from Virginia? No, I'm from Silver Spring, Maryland. Um, and to be specific, Calverton, a, a little neighborhood that um, is divided uh between Montgomery County and Prince George's County. I grew up on the Montgomery County side. Nice. Yeah. You still have family there? Yeah, my mom. Actually, uh, last year was a big year. Marilyn sold the house that I grew up in and she moved into a retirement community where she's living her best life and having dinner with new friends every night and um, just, you know, kind of, remembering she doesn't have to worry about things with the house anymore because it's off her plate. And so that was a big, big change for her. And I'm so happy about it. Okay, Karen, full disclosure, we have two pugs. Byron and Eddie. Yes, that when the podcast starts, (laughs) they go insane. and Byron is now trying to rip up the beautiful job of throw blanketing that I did earlier. And actually, Byron turned seven this May. Oh. He is for sale. No. <laughs> if anyone would like to hit us up. So if you hear noises, it's sometimes the pugs. Matt, don't let him go behind that blanket. Jesus. Oh, God. Well, I was listening to your interview with Daryl Brooks earlier. And it was hilarious when he was like, did y'all fall asleep on me? Are y'all snoring? (laughs) Not only will they fall asleep, but they'll try to do it as close to the microphone as they can possibly get. Um, It's also really great if we do fall asleep. Oh, my God. To just say it was the dogs. Yeah. 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 Little spotlight hogs is what I hear. Blame it on the dogs is the alibi always. Um, So what, what in Silver Spring, like, I know that you went into you were your major was like um, more business of the business kind of an arts management, correct? Uh, kind of. So um, when I was at Shenandoah, I was a vocal performance major, and then I ended up doing a working on a minor in music business for ah. the short time I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think uh, I I didn't know what I was doing. Did any of us? I don't think so. We but still kind of definitely, don't. yeah, I definitely didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> so, what what kind of drew you to the arts to begin with when you were a little girl in uh, Silver Spring? Um, well, the story goes that my dad, who was a physicist, he was a theoretical physicist, uh, Howard. He was obsessed with Olivia Newton-John whose grandfather was, I believe, Max Born. I think that's right. He was a mathematician, which when Howard initially found out that Olivia Newton-John was this mathematician's granddaughter and she was hot and she could sing, he was smitten, smitten, smitten. So uh, he would play her records from the 70s, which were all country, which was very out of the norm for Howard. He was a classical music obsessed man and he played the piano and he could sing his mother was a church singer and that's where my voice came from 
Um, so he would blast Olivia Newton-John while my mom was pregnant with me. So he always called Olivia my first voice teacher. So there are photos of me and pigtails standing on the hearth in front of the fireplace using my jump rope as my microphone. And it was Olivia Newton-John and Donnie and Marie and uh, Peter, Paul and Mary, the Carpenters, all of those artists were what were playing on the record player. Um, so that was where my ear was formed for pop music and, uh, some country. And so, um, then in elementary school, I started, I think, uh, my mom, I was like early elementary school and I was singing and my mom didn't know what to do with that, but she knew it was something. So she called the head of the music department at the university of Maryland, which was only 10 minutes from the house and asked him you know what do i do with her da, 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 da. and he said well really because the body is still forming and by vocal cords everything you shouldn't start a kid in serious vocal training until they hit puberty so uh at 14 i started voice lessons <laughs> and um until then i was you know madonna 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 starting when i was in fifth grade and uh, pop music, but musical theater was also something, you know, we had Pirates of Penzance record and Music Man and, you know, all those classics. And so uh, my voice teacher was uh, Richard Hartzell. He was the director of the Young Americans of Washington, which I was not a part of, but um, was able to become one of his students and uh, musical theater in high school. And then that's kind of where my track track really solidified with my talent and problem was is I wasn't very good at memorizing music like the the lyrics and I didn't understand what I was singing in Italian and German and Latin and all that stuff so um I was very phonetically uh trained how to sing and um I did competitions in high school, county and state, and I'd forget lyrics, like just nerves would overcome me, which was always something that plagued me. Um, so, so yeah, so singing was definitely something that I was pushed towards, not in a bad way, but um, you're good at this. So this is what, this is what you're going to do. And piano lessons, six years of piano lessons, elementary school, and yeah. So records were super important in your yes. growing up as as to most of our generations. Yes. Um, vinyl or? Uh, it was vinyl and then I got my first tape. It was the True Blue tape in seventh grade, I wanna say. Do you remember the 45 of a Madonna that was all blue? Was it True Blue? It was True Blue, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah Madonna's my number one. Madonna, Belinda Carlisle, Olivia Newton-John and Whitney Houston. Well, you know how we feel about Madonna in this house. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and two of those are dead now. Oh, it's, yeah. I, I yeah. Just... Rest in peace. You mean the old Madonna? <laughs> oh, no. No, Matt. Um, I got to meet Olivia Newton-John. <sighs> uh, I was performing at the Ford's Theater Gala one year, and she was performing as well. Uh- what I name dropped. Yes, name please listen, do. Listen, that's a name that I will always drop. Absolutely. And God rest her soul. When we lost her, I felt very badly because she was she was a very nice lady. Me and a friend were doing a, a song from a show that we had just done at the theater in the 
spring and mm. Olivia was there. I mean, I was really excited, except it, we were performing for George W. Bush and that wasn't really exciting. <laughs> but um, Heidi, my friend, was very nervous and we were in the wings with Olivia and mm. um, Heidi said, um, Olivia, what's your trick? You don't seem nervous at all. And she said, I, some people say picture them in their underwear. I say picture them naked. <laughs> and then she went on and sang Xanadu. Is that your Australian accent? I don't know what it was. Uh, <laughs> she sang Xanadu. This was right before the musical of Xanadu mm. came out. Mm -hmm. So she was actually, you know, she worked with the team on that. To, to produce it and help put it out. And she was singing with the, like holding the mic and doing the X with her other hand. Uh, um, and we got to just be right backstage and watch her sing Xanadu, which I will never forget. Um, what year was that, Stephen? That would have been 2007. Okay. Yeah. No, seven or eight. Seven or eight. There. We, my husband and I were living in Memphis, uh, 2003 to 2005 and, and he is not an Olivia fan, but because he loves me with all his heart, he will tolerate it. And that meant that he went with me to see her in concert at a casino hotel in Mississippi. And she was perfection. That was 2000, spring of 05, mm -hmm. and just absolute perfection. She said, like, no time. Just like when you hear, I saw Dolly Parton in concert uh, yes. back in, like, 2016, I want to say, back uh, over in Washington State and um, outside of Seattle. And like Dolly, Olivia, they, no time affected their voices, you know, just timeless sounds and great quality and uh just age has has not clear as a bell yeah age had no effect on their voices uh, this is not going to become the concert um podcast but, <laughs> it can't but be you know who you know who else was fucking amazing huh. we got to see loretta lynn at the oh. 9 30 club <gasps> she first of all it took her till maybe an hour and 15 minutes in before she even took a sip of water. Wow. She was in her, you know, $2 party dress. Uh -huh. well, back in her day, there maybe wasn't water. People didn't <laughs> drink it. Um, was it her and Jack Black or just her? It was just her and her <laughs> family band. Uh, Did, didn't she bring up like a, a daughter? Yeah, her family band. Like mm. her her kids played with her. And mm -hmm. So I, you know, back in the day when we used to look at the paper for information... There was the 9.30, like, spread. Yeah. And I was like, Stephen, it says Loretta Lynn is going to be at the 9.30 <laughs> club. Do you think that's true? <laughs> and I thought, okay, this has got to be, like, another thing. I kept thinking, no. Yeah. But we got tickets. We we got grabbed a beverage, and we kind of elbowed our way slowly. To the front. Up to the very front of the stage, acting like we were kind of like, oh, excuse me, it's excuse me. Like and we were right in the front. And after her first song... Mm she turned around to her band and she said, boys, you gotta slow down. I plan on staying a while. Oh, <laughs> bless her soul. Oh my God. And she was wearing like a dress, like it looked like it was from Sears. It was probably, oh. it was probably like a Bob Mackie Mon designed Montgomery for Montgomery Wards. Yeah. 
it was incredible. But um, wow, and and that's that's another one. The voice, the voice was clear as a bell, man. Uh, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, mm. a nice little side side <laughs> note. Um, so you, what? How did you find SU? Find SU next? Oh, that's a. So I. Right out of high school, I wasn't ready to go away to school. I was ready to move out of the house, but I wasn't ready to go away. So I went to Montgomery College in Rockville. My best friend from high school was a grade ahead of me, and she was over there doing tech for the theater. And at the time, I was under the impression that the theater program at Montgomery College was really in the top list of higher education on the East Coast for theater. And so summer of 92, I graduated high school in 92, and I auditioned for Summer Dinner Theater over there, which um, at the time in the 90s was a really big uh, thing to be a part of, a, a really tough audition process. Yeah, it still is kind of a big deal. Oh, okay, good, good. Um, yeah. Uh, I learned a lot. I did that for four summers, 92, 93, and then 96 and 97. And uh, so was going over Montgomery College that summer. That's where I decided to just go to school for, I did that for a year, two years. I'm trying to think, 92, 93, 93, yeah, for two years. And then I started dating a guy who was going to check out Shenandoah to play lacrosse and go to their business school. And when I found out it originally was a conservatory, that was my ticket in with my folks. <laughs> and so I was like, hey, I can go to school with him if I audition and maybe get accepted. And my mom was very much like, okay, this is, she's going to be a singer. She's, this is going to be it. This is going to be it. And so um, I got in, I auditioned and um, got into the voice performance program. And so he and I went in, I was a transfer student and he didn't really uh, have enough credit from the one year he did Montgomery College. So he just went in as a freshman. So he was over in the racy dorm and I was in, I forget the name of the dorm, but the building, two buildings over and it was upperclassmen dorm. And uh, any help boys, any help? Was it Cooley? No, I lived in that for a semester, but if that was the all girls. Yes, yes, funk, yes. Funkhauser or Gore? Gore first. And yeah, I lived in Gore. I lived in Cooley. I lived in Funkhauser. And then I lived in the, the big house, the Parker. Parker. Yeah. In I mean, some of those names, could you pick some better names Seriously. for dorms like Gore? Right. Really? <laughs> we know how those names got picked from donors, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Al Gore. Al Gore, um, uh, Parker Posey, <laughs> Charlie Parker. Um, Love. I couldn't think about Funkhauser. Yeah, Funkhauser. Mm -hmm. You know, Funkhauser is a big name in gas. Oh. There in Winchester. Okay. <laughs> Stephen. I made a fart sound. Got know, it. You can't go from a red <laughs> to a fart. Yes, you can. <laughs> Have you not heard this podcast? Only if it's Crystal Gale can you go to a fight. <laughs> oh, Crystal Gale. Edda's little sister. Yep. Um, so you ended up at SU and um, you were doing vocal performance? Yes. Uh, Philip Sargent was my teacher and I adored him because he reminded me <gasps> of Tom Hanks. Oh, okay. Sorry. Eddie like yacked in the uh, middle of that. Oh, no. Not, not puked, but just okay. made like a 
Did uh, she say because she, he taught Tom Hanks? No, he, Dr. Sargent just reminded me of Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise, and Harrison Ford are my three number ones. And so I had an instant uh, just... Oh, I'm so comfortable with you. You're so sweet. And he was, Dr. Sargent was so sweet to me. And he was uh, very supportive. And he, I learned so much more about my voice from him than I had already learned from Mr. Hartzell back in Maryland. And so um, I really enjoyed that part of school those voice lessons and what year did you get there to SMU? uh fall of 94 okay all right i think a lot of a lot of us um a lot like samantha rotella and angela campo and um, yes is that how i got to know you through yeah. angela yeah so i lived with um i lived across the hall from samantha and Angela lived in Cooley and Meredith Dorfner. Mm-hmm. And so I got to know all of them. I got to meet, I met Samantha the first day. So my dad took the morning off, rented a car because the cars weren't, he did, he was worried it wasn't going to get all the way to uh, Winchester. So he rented, I think, a minivan, dropped me off, <laughs> unloaded everything. He went back to Maryland to work, and then I went over to help the the boy I was dating at the time that we went there together with his parents unload him into Racy, and then I had to leave and go over to the chapel for, you know, freshman check-in and orientation and stuff, and so I'm sitting there in a pew by myself, and Samantha's mom comes over, and she, she was so sweet. She was like, you know, can my daughter sit with you? She doesn't know anybody. I was like, sure. So... Samantha sits down and her folks sit behind us and she and I just clicked, you know, very sweet, very likable, very funny girl. And we clicked, found out we were living across the hall from each other. So that's how I met Samantha. And then that's how I ended up meeting everybody else. Um, And uh, it was was a lot of fun. I mean, it was, I definitely was never a a good student, even in high school. in high school in Montgomery County, you needed one fine arts credit to graduate. And I graduated with nine and a half <laughs> between choir classes and theater classes. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I told, if it still happened when I got there, cause I got there in 96. Okay. Um, if it still happened, I don't recall having to go to the chapel for like a freshman check-in. Uh, and I don't remember you getting there that late. Yeah, I got wow. there in 96. Wow. Um, uh, I know. It feels like we've known each other longer. I know. I guess it was through all those people that I kind of got to know you. Um, yeah. Because like I have very fond but yet vague memories of us hanging out. Oh, we hung out. Oh, yeah. And then you lived with Angela in a a basement apartment in town. And I would come out and visit. Um, I think so, right? Didn't you live in this? It was like a dungeness kind of apartment. No, I did live with her at, oh, God, Preston Place Apartments. Was that the the newer apartments? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then that's also with her and Kat. Yeah, Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Kat um, Schumacher, Schumacher, right? Yep. She mm-hmm. she was from 
Northern Virginia somewhere, I think. Anyway, yeah. So you and I definitely were around each other a lot. Yes. Um, and then Matt, I knew of you just through them and you were you know senior to me but I always saw you as a very serious theater person and because I wasn't part of the theater program like I ended up playing on the first women's lacrosse team at Shenandoah because the guy I was dating was on the men's lacrosse team and we were both goalkeepers and we were adorable and la la la. <laughs> um and so I was kind of you know, like in high school, I was a bit of a floater between the different groups, you know? Um, yeah. So I just can make friends with anybody. So I was, you know, just everywhere, I think. Well, it was so cool that Shenandoah was such a small, yes. more intimate college because whether we were at the Snapchat or whether there was a party right. or an event on campus that people went to, we all kind of hobnobbed with each other because right. there wasn't really very many of us. <laughs> right. Well, then I think Ford, remember that guy Ford? He yes. Was, so he had all the parties. And so because he was, you know, lacrosse, he so he was jock guy plus vocalist and choir guy. So he and I had become friends and he was friends with all the lacrosse players. So, but the parties at his house in town would be a collection of people. You know? I feel like I was at at least one of those. I oh, think I auditioned for the lacrosse team at least a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you never we know. To, we just talked to Ford's wife. Oh my gosh. I love it. He, he married Meredith Long from SU. Okay. Um, she was probably the class of 95, maybe. Okay. Um, so right, right, right when you were kind of getting there and yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Interesting. Um, fun times. Yeah. I vaguely remember some of the parties with the lacrosse people. I probably would have gone with Angela or you. Yeah. Um, cause I didn't know them at all. Okay. They were... I was like terrified. I was like, oh my God, I have to act straight. No, uh... <laughs> no, I think, I think honestly, like, I think at, at least the guys on the team, like the environment being such a small school and being a art school, you know, the business side came second to the conservatory side. Right. And so I think it was just everybody was living with everybody you know yeah. like sure clicks grew but it formed but um all in all i didn't see a lot of um you know judgment or anything in my experiences uh, no it probably wasn't there it's just that it was a different time yes my anxiety and fear would have been there got it okay um, um yeah okay but but that being said, nothing ever happened. Um, Good. And and so, what are some some of the your fondest takeaways from your time at SU? Well, um, the friends that I made. I mean, Angela was one of my bridesmaids. Oh, um, yeah. Um, I was one of her bridesmaids at her first wedding or attended her first wedding, my husband and I, that we were dating at the time and we spent a lot of time with her and her first husband. Um, and then uh, I had my time uh, kind of managing 
I guess you could call it managing the unity project band. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was a lot of, you know, that was, that was a lot of fun. That's um, right. That's like your first foray into arts management. Yeah. So, so the music business program was responsible for the battle of the bands event. Yes. And I stepped up to be the stage manager because uh, I, I, I don't know why, but I did. And so the night of the battle, I remember there was one band and they were just taking so much time getting their gear off. Like everybody had to be preset. And I was getting very frustrated with this one band. And I knew that Lee Mackay and Dan Shores, like they were trying to get their stuff on the stage. And, and so I, I don't know what I did that, they were like, oh, so they then approached me after the Battle of the Bands about managing their band. And so I was like, I don't, what are you talking about? <laughs> and so um, I, my first test, they did a show in Augusta, Georgia, which is where Dan Shores is from. And he was the bass player. And he uh, got this gig set up. Um, at a it was a club but it was literally a building that the walls were airplane hanger metal okay just wavy and and this was august and we were calling augusta disgusta because it was so hot and humid oh god and so that was kind of my test like if i could successfully you know kind of supervise everybody getting down there and the show going off without too many hitches and uh, it being a pseudo success, then I could be their manager. And so it worked. I did that. Um, I had since broken up with the guy I had gone to Shenandoah with, but it was dating another guy from back in Maryland who was a big techie and had a lot of uh, lighting design experience and sound design experience. And so he helped me help them. And so he came on this trip and uh, managed the the soundboard and the light board up in their booth and everything. And so um, it was quite the weekend, quite the weekend. And then moving into fall of 96, I think it was, was when, you know, they play the student center and, and yep shows out in town and so yeah and then and that was my last semester there I just school was not for me I was not finding any I was just felt like I was wasting my parents money and so that was that but that was a lot of fun um I, I was at all those shows whenever uh, possible oh, oh yeah because they were I, so fun and amazing and the guys were so talented so good so good seriously just opening the show with we're on a mission from god from you know the blues brothers and then right into i can hear it all in my head you know da, 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 yes da, da, da. yep that's right so incredible yeah um, snapping like i'm ready to do some skanking or something <laughs> i know god remember that culture is just like it's due for a renaissance that's sure yeah so, yeah. um, so when I look back on Shenandoah, I look back on the friendships that I made. I look back on uh, a lot of fun parties and learning I could be 
a jock and play lacrosse, even though I sucked at it. I was awful, <laughs> but I did it. And I, you know, we played games and played against other colleges and universities. And I am amazed that I did that. And then, um, you know, learned more about my voice and my instrument and then learned that I could manage people. You know, I don't know how well I did it. That's for them to say but it was definitely fun. So what was kind of like the catalyst to make you go, yeah, I've had enough of this place? Uh, I think it was just me ready to see what, what else I could do. You know what I mean? Like, I think I was a little homesick. Um, I think I definitely was becoming more aware of the cost of things, you know, yes. a couple years older because I was, I graduated 92 from high school. So I was coming in, um, with not enough credits to be more than like an advanced freshman, you know, kind of sophomore, but, um, I was a little older than most of my friends. And so, uh, yeah, just kind of more of a, an awareness. And just full disclosure to those listening, a funny exchange Karen and I had via messenger where she was like, you do realize that I, I dropped <laughs> out. Right. And I was like, Oh, me too. <laughs> yeah. I think and it, Ryan I, too, actually. You know? mm-hmm. so you're in, you're in a uh, good company. <laughs> yes. Um, so what happens then after you leave? What, what, what does Karen, baby Karen do? What does baby Karen do? Um, well, I went back to Montgomery College for a semester and kind of trying to follow more of the business route of classes and then just was like, this is not, this is just not for me anymore. Um, so I started working at the Borders in Rockville, Maryland, which was a flagship store for the company. And I worked in the music department and then Small World worked with a uh, girl a lady named Jill who was playing I think she was trombone no yeah trombone trombone she was playing for a unity project oh my <laughs> I god I don't remember the connect like how the connection but yeah so I'd go out with her sometimes to Winchester to rehearsals just to see all you know people I wasn't dry I didn't drive at the time so you know just oh yeah sure I'll go with you um and so uh, worked for Borders in the music department. And then I ended up, my first office job, you could say, was I became the corporate accounts representative for the bookstore. So I was in charge of corporate and government sales of books to school, to counties, to government uh, agencies, to like Lockheed Martin. So I, were, I was averaging over $30,000 in book sales a month at some at, at some points. Wow. Yeah. So that was a lot of um, learning curve for me, but uh, it was really fun and I felt good at it, but I had, um, it was the raver, the rave scene. I didn't go to raves, but I liked the, the clothing. And so I had the big wide, jeans and the chain link you know uh, wallets and the little baby doll t-shirts and the bright blonde hair and then I had dyed which I think I did a little bit while I was at Shenandoah still 
all underneath my hair, like turquoise blue. And so I'd get a call at my, in my office in the back. Hey, there's somebody here to pick up their books on their lunch hour. Cause usually would ship the orders. But sometimes if people were, you know, nearby, they'd be like, Oh, it's lunch. Let me just go pick up my order. And I'd come bounding down this escalator with pigtails and my blue hair showing. And they'd be like, Karen, I'd be like, hi. Yes. And they're like, Oh yeah. I recognize your voice. You are not looking how you sound on the phone, <laughs> but it didn't matter. You know, it didn't matter. So, um, so that was fun. And then, uh, so that was 97 to 98. And then that best friend of mine from high school that I went to uh, do theater with at Montgomery College, she had since moved out to Denver with her first husband. And I went out to visit and I was kind of serious about going, moving back to Winchester and living with Angela. But um, I went out to visit Danielle and I was, then I came home and my dad and I were in the car and I was like, I don't know what to do. And he goes, well, why would you move back to somewhere instead of moving somewhere you've never lived? So I moved to Denver and I lived there for a year and worked in the Cheesecake Factory downtown on 60th Street Mall. And then uh, that was backbreaking working in the bakery. And so then I started working in an office and I uh, worked for a litigation copy firm and really nice people. And that kind of set my trajectory for office work. And then I moved back to Maryland and lived in Chevy Chase with a friend from Summer Junior Theater and started working downtown for a legal recruiting firm. I was their kind of their office manager, I guess you could say and dabbled in legal recruiting, but it was the building I worked in also had uh, some uh, divisions of the Department of Justice working in there. And that's how I met my now husband because he worked in the building and I thought he was cute. And I started waving at him on the sidewalk at lunch. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. So yeah. So that was like the mid to late nineties after Shenandoah. And then, um, yeah, we've been moving around ever since. Yeah, I see Okinawa is a place you live. Yeah, so my husband is a special agent with the uh, NCIS, the Naval Criminal Investigative Service. Oh, he probably hates that show, doesn't he? You know what I will say? We don't watch it anymore. However, when the show started, we had just moved. His first assignment office was uh, Millington, Tennessee. So just um, north of Memphis and the show started when I moved down there so he was down there for six months in 02 and then I moved down January of 03 and I started working for a call center as an HR uh, assistant and people were like what does he do and I'm like oh he's with NCIS oh like the TV show I was like oh thank goodness because everybody thought oh like the FBI and yes it's federal law enforcement but it's federal law enforcement for the Navy, the Department of the Navy and the Marine Corps. And so any federal offense committed by, to, or on those properties or personnel, um, that is what NCIS special agents investigate. Oh, believe me, I watched the show for a very long time. So, yeah. So, so my husband has been everybody from just the agents to Gibbs. Now he is at headquarters and he, he's, yeah. So like a higher up. Yes. He is. He's taken the trajectory, you know, 
the the whole way on almost. Did you run into Mr. Miyagi while you were in Okinawa? Um, no. <laughs> Did you chop any ice? I, I I'm sorry. I love Karate Kid Part Two, and every time I hear Okinawa, that's what I think of. So we um we had just the absolute fortune of living in Okinawa, Japan, uh, for four beautiful years, um, oh five to oh nine. Wow. And yeah, it was amazing. How's the sushi? Uh, uh, uh delicious and of fresh course. as you can imagine. Oh. The Japanese culture and Okinawan culture. just some of my most favorite people uh we lived out in town we were a few blocks from the pacific ocean um the island itself is about 68 miles long and 17 miles wide at its widest point it's subtropical it's closer to taiwan than mainland japan and uh we just made the most of it we uh, my husband enjoyed his work he was doing there uh, immensely, and I made lifelong friends. I sat on the Okinawa International Women's Club board for a couple of years, and even though we're not military, um, because we're SOFA status members, um, which is I have the Status of Forces Agreement, which is a agreement that um, Americans uh, live uh, abide by when living overseas. I also uh, participate in the Marine Officer Spouses Club and sat on their board and did their newsletter. And um, it was just wonderful. I still have friends, Okinawan friends that, you know, are, are native to the island and still live there. And we're still on social media together. And then I have uh, American girlfriends, Marine spouses who live here in the DC area that I still am a big part of their life and vice versa. So it was just a wonderful time and the synergy within my husband's office, all the agents there, it's a larger office and the spouses, we were all orphans, you know, in, in some way, because we're all living away from family and in a foreign country. And so it was, uh, just a great environment. Wow, that sounds incredible. Yeah. Did you, did you have any time or time off to like maybe go somewhere else like Japan or Taiwan? Oh, yeah. So uh, Tokyo, Kyoto, uh, Hong Kong, Singapore. My husband's job took him to Philippines and Thailand as well. Um, I always say, so like um, when people are curious about like uh, Kyoto or Hong Kong and Tokyo, like Kyoto is to Washington, D.C., as I would say Tokyo and Hong Kong are to New York City. So Kyoto is the original uh, home of the emperor of Japan when um, those families ruled and uh, the center of government. And so just a very where Washington, D.C., you've got the the classic museums and monuments. That's very much what you're going to find in Kyoto. Um, and then, uh, Tokyo and Hong Kong, Kong, especially just, they never sleep. It's always go, 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 bustle, bustle, bustle. Yeah. I've heard is Tokyo as crowded as it seems. Yes. But the key is don't get on the subway system during rush hour, sleep in when you're on vacation there and then get on around 10 and it's very easy to maneuver. Now it's also been you know, a number of years since we were over there, 
but even back in the 2000s, you know, English is, it's easy for an English speaker to get around. English is part of the, the signage. Um, when we lived in Okinawa, the there was a lot of kanji signs for street signs, but you just say, okay, so you're going to keep going, take a right at the McDonald's and a left at the KFC and uh, two blocks and my house is there, you know, that kind of thing. So, but McDonald's, fast food, American fast food over in, in Japan, it's so fresh and light and it's just not the same. It's so much, uh, it's so much more enjoyable to eat. Um, and, yeah, I think my experience uh, in like Cambodia and Vietnam, oh, wow. Thailand, were all the same. It's the same thing. And I, I sometimes I was like, you know what? I want to go to Burger King. I know it's going to be way better. Yep. <laughs> it's going to be way better. Yep. And there's something also like very uh, comforting as well sometimes about going there. Oh, yeah. And not feeling as guilty either. Yeah. Well, I think it's looked upon differently. You know, I think I think when I was growing up, you know, uh, working in a McDonald's wasn't always the most desirable thing. But overseas in Japan and Okinawa, the it's it's just a whole totally different culture and environment and so it there is a there is just a different sense of uh pride i, I want to say i don't have a better word just for what you're doing you know sure yeah i um was trying to remember make this connection you know my memory is just it when you memorize lines for a living for so many years <laughs> you dump out so much crap to mm -hmm. hold other crap <laughs> i have a distinct memory okay. of you coming to visit me at when i was living with my friend chris sizemore in the stone ridge apartments um in alexandria we were sitting on my balcony and you were telling me about wakey wakey and mike grubbs yes i think i think so um and so i how did i even come across wakey wakey i'm trying to remember where we lived i think we were was it one tree okinawa. Hill yeah well we were living in okinawa and i think facebook i started doing facebook and so it was somehow that was how i found out about it and then so after okinawa we moved here to woodbridge and had this house built and uh so we were here for two and a half years before moving to the west coast and during that time um Mike did a show over at Jam and Java in Vienna and Randy was going around on this tour he was doing. And so I went over there and hung out with Randy at the bar and Mike was performing for all of these girls who were one. I'd never watched the show and they all these girls were in love with them because of One Tree Hill. And Randy and I were just, you know, reminiscing about Unity Project and Shenandoah and stuff. And then I was just cracking up at these girls just losing their minds. I mean, Mike's a cute guy. He's very talented. It was just still cracking me up. <laughs> well, because you know him and it right. feels like exactly. him. Um, I have to say that many years later when Matt had the idea to do this SU reunion kind of season... Uh, because of you telling me that we had Mike as the first guest because I thought, oh, God, what a, what a better way to kick off than this story that I was dying to hear how it all happened. So for those who have not 
uh, go listen to the first episode of season five, which is coming up on you, you guys. Tomorrow is the one year yes. anniversary and I, of this, this podcast. It's a very long season. Yeah. Well, I listened to that interview when when it because you posted about it on Facebook, and so I've been listening to your interviews all this time. And that one, the fact that he's a piano tuner, like I love the trajectory his career has taken, and he's so he was always so creative and just one of those those stars you know you just see him walking campus and you're like oh that guy's got it you know like right whoa right yeah i um yeah it it was so great even then you know delving down into the you know his music wormhole and listening to his stuff and how great it is and Mm -hmm. at any rate um Mm. well karen we're coming up on an hour i'm oh no already of, of your time yeah but um I want to know about the quilts. Tell me about the quilts. So, um, I I am a professional quilt maker. Uh, how did we How did we get to that from all your office and music? Yeah. Like- so when when hubby took the job with NCIS and I knew he would, you know, be the guy for me, I knew I needed to do something uh, that would give me something to do on my own. But also, if we moved around a lot, I'd be able to meet people. And so I'd always been attracted to sewing. Um, I had done some costume sewing for Troika, uh, the theater touring company out of, you know, Gaithersburg um, before. And we had made a quilt when I was a kid. My mom had a sewing machine. But um, yeah, so when we lived in California was really when it started, though, for me. I started working in a quilt shop and I've worked in three quilt shops. I now make, uh, design my own quilt patterns and I work with fabric designers in, and different fabric manufacturers and I promote these fabric collections coming out and um, make things with it to, and I put it on my Instagram. You can find me over there at Lady K Quilts and see what I do there. And um, so it just is something I, I love and I enjoy. I just actually came back from over the last week. I was in Atlanta at QuiltCon, which is the Modern Quilt Guild's big convention. And What? Yeah. Yeah. That's tenth, amazing. Tenth year of that. And so that um, was a really good, I was a bit nervous, you know, pandemic and everything. And then in 2021, I, I want to use this platform to remind everyone out there listening and your friends and your moms and your, your sisters and your aunts to get your mammograms. Because in 2021, I was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer and I have since beat it. Um, but it was a long 18, 20 months. Yes. I, I watched that the whole thing play out. Yeah, it was um, scary. And it, it, it is terrifying, yeah. um, but it's also worse not knowing. Yes. And so, you know, breast cancer runs in my family. I just ended up with this most rare version of thir- there's 13 kinds of breast cancer. I had the rarest and the most uh, dangerous because it's the most aggressive breast cancer. And if this diagnosis had come 20 years prior it's a, it was a death sentence then. They did not know how to deal with it and what to throw at it. So I went through six months of chemotherapy infusions. I had a lumpectomy. I did radiation for a month every day. Uh, 
I did chemo pills for six months and I did immunotherapy infusions for a number of months, which threw out my thyroid. So now that's something I have to deal with for the rest of my life. But um, just a reminder that everybody, please take care of themselves and get your screenings and all of that. But going to QuiltCon, I look very different. I used to have long platinum blonde hair and now, you know, my hair is growing back and um, and it's kind of reddish because I didn't like the boring color that was coming out of my head. So I colored it and it turned red. But so there was some anxiety going, but it was a, a wonderful uh, convention of um, inspiration and very talented people and friends and it's just amazing when you think of all the subcultures humans can possibly be interested in and that there are these uh, gatherings for people passionate about one thing like quilts and whatever it is. And so it's just really fascinating to think about in those terms, in those ways. My grandmother made quilts. I have two of hers that I still have to this day that I use. Every I'm so glad to hear that you use them. Yeah. That's why we make them. Exactly, right? Yeah. Don't like keep them to the side or use them as, you know, just, uh, I, I don't know, I love them. They're part of my grandmother, I feel like, when I yes. use them. Very good. Our, our dear friend, uh, Sherry Edelin, um, made us a wonderful, very colorful quilt that we use very often as well. Um, so all about that quilting. Yes. Um, a quilt. I, I love them for real. Um, Give us the Instagram again. Lady K Quilts. Lady K Quilts. All right. Yep. Yeah. Um, Lady K, K, initial or K spelled out like. Uh, it's the initial K. Yeah. My old friend uh, from Borders, Bruno, gave me that nickname, Lady K. He'd come into the office. He ended up taking that corporate accounts rep job for me when I moved to Denver. And he'd come and go, Lady K, Lady K. And so. It's stuck. It did a handle for Instagram. I was like, well, there we go. And I quilt. So Lady K quilts. Every quilt begins with, with K. K. <laughs> that was stupid. K K W I L T quilt. Q U I L T S. Oh God. I, I'm just okay, being stupid. I'm now. <laughs> um I also want to thank you you are also one of those friends who has been a constant support oh. for us as well and i know that you uh, recently got to take in ichabod I at did. the creative cauldron and I no matter when we see you it's like you know we just kind of pick up absolutely well that's you know i, I i've always adored you both matt and stephen gregory and I've run into, you know, up in Sherlington back when we lived here before, I'd be at lunch with a friend that used to live over there. And I'd run into you guys go over um, to the theater and then your Night of the Living Dead. Was that the what was the you guys did a show, your own show, and it was back in like 2010. Yeah, it was Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. And so I went to that. That was over in Kensington, Maryland. And my old friend, Bob Levy, uh, because I did the Summer Junior Theater with his kids, Emily and... Um, oh, we know Emily. Yes, Emily Levy and um, Allie, her little brother. Um, and so Bob, his wife, uh, wasn't able to go that night. So we ended up sitting together. So we had our own little reunion and he used to be a, a columnist for the Washington Post. Yes, very famously. Yes. 
And so uh, anyway, so I, I, you know, I, and I, I'm sorry, we, my husband and I didn't, a, weren't able to make it to your most recent thing. And that was your review to support this theater that's, tr- that's going to be reopened over there in Alexandria just last month. We just, it didn't work out, but you know, the money, the money hopefully is doing its thing from yeah, the ticket. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are you just a quick side note because I think I remember this, but I'm not sure. Are you as big a fan of the Indigo Girls as I am? Oh yes. I just got tickets to go see oh. them on the lawn at Wolf Trap this summer, and I'm so excited. I yeah. feel like I'm going to be back in college. You you will be. Everybody <laughs> will be. Yes. No. That was you know harmony was so being classically trained with voice it was you sing what's on the page and it's going to come out right. That's why I like baking. That's why I like quilting because there's math to it per se. Yeah. I Indigo girls, you know, it was, it was Kim Knight. It was Jamie DeRoche. It was Samantha Rotella. Yep. Angela Campo. Marjorie Lamb. Yes. Every, yes. Jenny Lamb. Uh, and then another Jen, I can't remember her last Hines? name. No, she lived with Kim Dyson. No, she was a cellist. Oh gosh! And um, she was from Tennessee. Anyway, I had to train my ear to sing the harmonies in the Indigo Girls music. Mm-hmm. So I spent a semester practicing and practicing and practicing. And that shit is not easy art. harmony. No. It's very intricate. And my ear automatically goes to the melody. So I had to really work mm-hmm. to. Who's the, who's the harmony? Or do they switch back? What's they it? switch back and forth all the time. Forth, yeah. 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 It's, it's beautiful stuff. I think of like a song like Ghost. Uh. The, the intricacy of those <laughs> harmonies is just exquisite, you know? Um, so anyway, I am super pumped and, and yes. that was Indigo Girls was a big part of our college kind of era. Yes. Um, Huge. so, so it'll be a, a wonderful throwback, uh, to that time, but also like I followed them during the pandemic, they would give these wonderful, like living room concerts. Um, and it was just kind of like a little light. Mm, mm-hmm. And I remember like watching them sing and it was like in the height of the pandemic and they were doing the cover of, of Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's. Mm-hmm. And I just started like weeping. Mm. And I, it's, and I'm sure I'll be like a puddle this summer, but it'll be a wonderful puddle to be in. And I uh, know you will not be alone in that puddle. No, I know. I yeah. know. Totally. Well, Karen, this has been such a blast. Yeah, Lady up, K. Lady K. K. <laughs> um, and, you know, you're practically our neighbor. So we've got to get together. and. Hang. I agree. I'll bring um, the wine. We lived out. So we we were in Okinawa, then here, then Central California, then Seattle, then back here. And while we were in Seattle, we became very big wine enthusiasts. <laughs> well, just take the King Street exit and, and then take the light right across from McDonald's. Yeah, All right. Um, yeah, th- that will happen. Uh, we've we've always we didn't move to California, but we're still wine enthusiasts. I hope so. so. I hope it happens. <laughs> All right, my love, you have my number. I've got you. Yes. We'll make it happen, okay? All right. Well, thank you so much. You're so sweet for inviting me to do this with you guys. I've been looking forward to it. I was really just, you know, oh my goodness, what? 
uh, when you asked me. So it's just so fun to be part of this. And I love that you guys are doing this podcast. It's very interesting. It's nice to revisit with these names and these these spirits from the past. And so thank you. You know, Karen, I look back so fondly on you as a person that not only I love, but like everybody loves oh. you. So, so SU kind of just stands for Spirits United. <laughs> God. It's going to make me emotional, guys. Oh, no. So you have to be a part of it because you're a very happy memory. Mm. So, And let's make more of them. Okay. I want to. All right, my love. I will All talk right. to you soon. All right. Ryan, nice meeting you over the phone podcast thing. Absolutely. Wonderful talking to you. You too. All right, y'all. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for spending some time with us, Karen. We really enjoyed it. Um, it's great to just keep these reconnections coming. And, and as we've talked to so many different alum, I know there is an SSMT reunion April 1st from 4 to 6 p.m. at the uh, Glaze Studio Theater in the Orson Bryant Theater um, that the alumni organization is putting together in participation with uh, Scott Wallen and uh, a few other people, I think. I'm yes. missing names. Laura something. Um, apologies. So do... Uh, see if you can find out something about that if you don't know about it just uh email me and i'll pass along links that i have but uh april is it first yes april 1st from four to six um we do have a patreon page that does feature our find your light review that is filmed and edited uh and you can join the patreon at any level and have access to that it, it's an incredible evening we hope you do that um you can learn more about us at www.connorsmithmusicals.com newly updated website thanks so much to lee delano um you can find us on social media at facebook instagram and TikTok uh, under Connor and Smith. Connor with an ER, never forget. Um, there is a Discord page. Uh, the description or the link is in the podcast notes. It's a place where you can go and share photos where it's not on mainline social media. It's just for us. Um, so check that out. And other than that, uh, just have a wonderful weekend and we will talk to you soon. Bye! Bye!